Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. to turn to several passages of Scripture this morning. Uh, I'm going to be teaching uh, on a subject this morning, on a topic, and so when you preach topically, there's a lot of running that you need to do uh, to different verses of Scripture. But we'll begin this morning in Matthew chapter number 23, and let's begin reading in verse number 1. Matthew chapter number 23 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments, and love the uppermost rooms at the feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the markets, and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go uh, that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer, therefore ye shall receive the greater condemnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you come, you compass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Woe unto you, ye blind, unto you, ye blind guides, which say, whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is uh, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold, and uh, whosoever shall swear by the altar it is nothing, but whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon the altar he is guilty. And we'll conclude our reading there for the sake of time this morning. Before we move on to the next passage, I want us to read together. Uh, let me first begin by saying this. 
that as we've read these words here uh, spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ uh, to the multitude and uh, to his disciples according to verse number one and as he is speaking about the scribes and the hypocrites uh, there is one thing that is certain uh, that Jesus Christ was not someone uh, that when it came to preaching when it came uh, to delivering truth was afraid to tell it like it is amen uh, when we find the Lord Jesus here uh, we truly find it find him speaking words uh, about these uh, about these scribes and about these Pharisees uh, that are that is very plain uh, yet but not very complimentary of the scribes and the Pharisees and I'll say this uh, there is very little complimentary that is said uh, in the Bible about religion itself about uh, just having religion now uh, the Bible does speak about pure religion and speaks about that in a proper uh, way and in a positive way uh, but just having religion for religion's sake uh, Jesus nor any of the biblical writers has very much of anything positive to say about uh, because religion does not get you to God nor does religion get you to heaven religion may cause you to do some good deeds and to do some good things um, but it is a relationship with God that really matters and without a relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ no man woman boy or girl has a hope to go to heaven uh, when they leave this world Jesus here preaches against uh, religion and he is preaching rather some things that come uh, from a relationship uh, with uh, the Lord Jesus and uh, uh, with uh, God here he says and I just think this is interesting he says in verse 2 the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat uh, which is a seat of authority and he understood that they would know that and verse number 3 the Bible says all therefore uh, whatsoever they bid you observe and observe and uh, that that observe and do so in other words what they say you can do because what they're saying is good to be done it is moral uh, to be done it is right uh, to be done but he says do not after their works for they say and they do not they embody what it is to be a hypocrite because their words and their actions do not match they they speak a a great game if you will they they speak great words and then and, and words that no doubt are uh, that are great to put into practice they they come out of the law and they produce morality in a person's life if they observe those things uh, however Jesus did not want his disciples uh, to be hypocrites he said that the Pharisees were hypocrites and if all you have is religion it'll make you a hypocrite amen because all religion will help you do is to just follow the letter of the law and do things down as religion dictates them to be but only a relationship with Christ can cause the do's and don'ts of God's law to run deeper than the surface which is hypocrisy and to enter into a man's heart and it become who we are and why we do what we do Jesus here says do not be as they are but he says here in verse number 10 he said neither be ye called masters he said there were some things that in their pride and in their hypocrisy they liked they enjoyed being the chief uh, in the, the house of God they enjoyed uh, the position that comes with being a teacher in Israel being a rabbi they enjoyed being called that they enjoyed being called uh, master but Jesus said uh, neither be ye called masters for one is your master even Christ but then he makes this statement here in verse number 11 Jesus 
Jesus tells them what he would rather his disciples uh, do and what he would rather them uh, to be. Don't just follow the letter of the law. Don't just uh, serve God in hypocrisy, but let it get deeper and don't just uh, revel in being called a disciple and revel in being called uh, a master or a teacher uh, in Israel. But he says in verse number 11, he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. He says in verse 12, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. That's what the Pharisees and the scribes were doing. They were seeking to be lifted up. And Jesus said, if you lift yourself up, you will be brought low. You will be abased. Then he goes on to say, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Here in Matthew 23, Jesus said that unlike the Pharisees who want to be superior, Christ's will is that his uh, followers not seek to be superior, but seek to be servants. Go with me to John chapter number 13 this morning. John chapter number 13, Jesus echoes these words as well in John chapter number 13. Let's begin reading in verse number one. Not only do we see Jesus state some things here, but we see Jesus making this, uh, bringing this truth into practical reality. John 13, verse one, the Bible says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his disciples, uh, excuse me, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's uh, son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given uh, all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured uh, water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, doest, uh, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do knowest thou not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew that who should betray him therefore said he ye are not all clean so after he had washed their feet and had taken his garment had taken his garments and was set down again he said unto them know ye what I have done to you ye call me master and Lord and ye say well for so I am look at verse number 14 Jesus said if I then your Lord and master have washed your feet ye also ought to wash one another's feet for I have given you an example that ye ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is uh, neither he that is sent greater than him that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do 
them. Here in the Word of God, we find uh, that the Lord Jesus not only uh, has previously said in Matthew 23 uh, that he would have none of his followers to seek to be superior, but to be servants. Here in uh, John's Gospel, we find Jesus, who is superior to all, uh, subverting himself and humbling himself into the position of a servant. And we see here that uh, we see, we understand understand that uh, Jesus here is uh, himself becoming the great example of what it is uh, to be a servant. And uh, this morning, with the help of the Lord, I want to preach on uh, or teach on or whatever this ends up being. I want to, uh, I want to speak on the subject of serving this morning. Here in Matthew 23 in John chapter number 13, we have a great example from the Lord uh, that it is his desire for us uh, to be a servant. He has shown us the way of servitude. He has given us teachings about uh, being servants ourselves, uh, that there is none uh, that is uh, to be a Lord or a master, but that all should be servants. And if Jesus was willing to be a servant, I would surmise that we should should be as well. And I'd say this, what an honor it is to get to be a servant of the Lord. Uh, you know, we, we in life, we know what it is to be a servant of others. Uh, you go on your job, in a sense, you do uh, serve your boss. You do serve that company. You do serve the interests of that company. I would say this, there is uh, no better boss to serve, if I can use that terminology. Uh, there is uh, no greater cause uh, to propagate than the cause of Christ and uh, to have uh, the Lord as our Lord and as our Master. Here we find Jesus. Jesus uh, even being willing to uh, subject himself to washing the nasty feet, the daily uh, dirtied up, if I can use that terminology, as they would walk and their sandals would become dirty, their feet would become filthy. And Jesus, who was God incarnate and manifest in the flesh, uh, did not see it as beneath him to take the, the feet of mankind and wash them to show them that even the greatest can be a servant. Here we find that the greatest thing that any of us can do is to, uh, to give our lives to be a servant, to, to serve God and to serve people, especially the people of God. At the judgment seat of Christ, the response that every Christian longs to hear will be that statement that the Lord has previously given us in his gospels, that it can be said to the servant of Christ, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't know of anyone here that when it comes to that day would not welcome those words from the Lord. Notice when Jesus says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, he does not say, well done done, uh, thou good and faithful preacher, or well done, thou good and faithful singer, or well done, thou good and faithful, well-known Christian. But he says, uh, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In order, I heard it said before, in order to say, hear well done, we must do well. And the greatest way that we can do well is to serve the Lord. Without service, there is no way of doing well. With 
without service, there is no way of being a good and faithful servant. And if we choose to always want to be a superior and want to be a master in life and want to have the accolades of the world or even the church or even the preacher or, or whatever the case, if we serve uh, to get uh, the, the, the approval and the blessings of men upon us, then we're not truly being a lowly, humble servant. The Lord says here that we are to be a servant. Can I say this as well? Greatness is not found in being served. Doing well is not found in being served, but in serving others. As the Christian continues in his Christian life to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, to be built up in grace and truth, a servant's heart should be developed. The Lord here in John 13 portrays the heart of a servant as he kneels down and washes the disciples' feet. Why did he do that? There was no one forcing him to do that. He is God manifest in the flesh. There was no one who could make him do that in heaven or in earth. No one could make the Lord bow before them, but the Lord chose to bow down upon his hands and, and wash these disciples' feet in that basin of water. He shows us what true servanthood is. The best Christians are those that have, that have a kind of serving attitude. Think about this for just a moment, and I may not get uh, too much further than this this morning, uh, but, but go with me to Romans chapter number 1 this morning. Romans chapter number 1. I want to show you a few Christians in the Bible who served. Romans chapter number one. Can I mention this when we come to our Bibles? This is not the these, these, this is not the first appearance of the Apostle Paul in our Bible. That comes in the book of Acts. But what we do find is, is that this is, when you're reading your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, this is the very first time you come to words that are written by the Apostle Paul. This is the very first thing that God puts in our Bible in terms of if we're reading it as he gave it to us in this canological order from Genesis to Revelation, the first thing that we'll find Paul declaring about himself is Romans 1.1, Paul a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle separated unto the gospel of God. Here as Paul begins the first words of what we know about him as we read our Bible the first thing he wants you to know about Paul is that he is a servant of God. He is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now go with me to Philippians chapter 1 this morning. Philippians chapter number 1. Philippians chapter number 1. When you come to the book of Philippians, we understand that this is the joy book of the Bible. Even though it being the joy book that mentions joy more than uh, any other book in the old uh, in the New Testament, having that as its theme, if you will, we understand. If you're a student of church history, that when Paul writes these words about joy, he is in a prison. And notice what he says, even in the prison, he says in verse number one of Philippians chapter one, Paul and Timotheus or Timothy the servants 
of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. As Paul gives you the first understanding of who he is, the first thing that he wants you to know about him, he says, I want you to know that I am a servant of Jesus Christ. And then, as he writes from a prison cell that he's placed in for the cause of Christ, even in the trial and in the jail and in the hard times, Paul said, I still have not changed my mind. I am a servant of Jesus Christ. It was his service to Christ that put him there and even in the jail cell he has not changed his mind. That's the way we ought to be. No matter where, so it's easy when you begin your Christian life to say, yes, preacher, I want to serve the Lord. Yes, God, I want to serve you and tell others I am a servant of God and I want to spend my life serving him. But when the hard times come, especially if it is your service for the Lord that puts you in the hard times that you're in, how quick are we to reconsider this whole serving the Lord business? Are we going to be like Paul that is unchanging from the start to the, to, to the fiery trials that we go through and say we're still going to serve the Lord? Now take your Bibles with me to Titus chapter number 1. Titus chapter number 1. Paul has come in these verses. He is making in, these, in this chapter, he is making his way to his final days of service for the Lord. Titus is among one of the last books that the Apostle Paul would write in his earthly life and ministry. As Paul is now looking back on a lifetime that has been uh, full of memories, both as a lost man and as a saved man, and as he in this moment, as an aged Apostle Paul, as he is writing to uh, this uh, young man by the name of Titus, his uh, protege in the ministry, that is a companion of another uh, protege of his, Timothy, he writes to Titus, and he's about to send Titus into a very difficult mission field to preach the gospel to those that are in Crete. And the Bible says in this book, it talks about what a rough bunch they were. Verse 12 says one of themselves, even a prophet talking about the Cretans, said the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, uh, slow bellies. And Paul and the Holy Ghost, by putting this in the Bible, says about the Cretans, this witness is true. It's bad when, the, when other Cretans and other people think that uh, you would name these things about you. But when by the Holy Ghost putting in the Bible, the Holy Ghost said that about the Christians. Now that's pretty bad if you've got a negative report uh, from, the, from, from God, that God says amen to how bad you are, amen. And that's what God did to these Christians. Paul's about to send Titus to go preach there. But before he does, he reminds him who it is that's writing this letter. Paul a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness. Isn't it interesting that Paul, and we'll see this done elsewhere in the Bible, isn't it interesting that Paul puts being a servant of God before being an apostle of Jesus Christ? One of the greatest titles that could have ever been given to a man was to be an apostle. To be handpicked by the Lord 
to be his personal hand-picked representative to the, to the world and to, the, to the, local, the local New Testament church in the days of its founding, in the days of its infancy, and to be the ones who spoke the truth that God gave the truth to and that spoke the truth before a Bible was ever completed for God's people to read and to glean from in its entirety. God used these men, many of these apostles, uh, to, to write Scripture to us. God did use these apostles in the early days of the church to give structure to the early church so that you and I would have something that would be passed down to us that uh, that had some had some stability and had some foundation they were used to go into the churches they trained the pastors they uh, gave uh, structure gave confirmation the book of Acts calls it uh, to the New Testament church and these men were used greatly uh, by God in that capacity God gave the gospel itself to Paul as part of his apostolic gifts and part of his apostolic uh, uh, truth that was given to him. Paul called the gospel of Christ my gospel. Then it was given directly to Paul. And here we find that Paul says beyond any of those great things of being an apostle, what's, what's first and foremost to me above even being an apostle of Christ is being a servant of God. You and I will never be able to claim the name apostle. The days of the, the apostolic days are over, despite what the Pentecostals will say, despite what the Charismatics say, the time of the apostles is over. I'll never get to be Apostle Josh Lawson. And to be honest with you, I'm not too brokenhearted about that. And here's the reason why. Paul here says there's something greater than being an apostle. There's something greater than being one of the twelve that were called to follow the Lord in his earthly ministry. There's something greater than even being the apostle Paul, an apostle born out of due time. He said greater than that is being a servant of God and every person in this building and even all the young people next door, all of us that are saved can and should be servants of God. Amen. Paul gives us an example of that. Christ gave us an example of that. Take your Bibles with me to James chapter number 1. James chapter number 1. Verse number 1. James says this. And if you're a, stu if you're a student of your Bible, especially a student, student of church history, you will find that James is one of the earliest books that was written in your New Testament. It is very possible that we had the we have we had the book of James earlier than any other epistle in our New Testament. There, that is the reason why much that is in the book of James seems to be slightly disjointed from the setup of a local New Testament church that we know of today. It was very it was written very early, but James says this: James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Before he ever tells the Jewish people that are part of these 12 tribes that are scattered abroad, before he ever writes to them of what God has given them to write, he is reminding them that I'm writing this to you not as an apostle of Christ necessarily, but I'm writing this to you as a servant of God. I'm writing this to you as an act of love and service to you.
If Jesus can be a servant, if Paul can be a servant, if James can be a servant, as great as their writings are and as wonderfully as God used them, then there's none of us that should fail to be a servant. Take your Bibles, turn a couple of pages over with me to 2 Peter chapter number 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. I told you we'd be reading some in the Bible this morning. We'd be turning a few places. Look with me at 2 Peter chapter number 1. Now, I want you to look here for just a moment. Paul, uh, Peter says this in 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith unto us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You read verses like that, it's hard to stay on topic. You just want to hit everything that's in there. Amen. But notice what he says here in verse number one. He says, Simon Peter, a servant. Hold your place there and look at 1 Peter chapter number one. I thought this was interesting. You study the difference in 1 Peter and 2 Peter's opening. 1 Peter chapter one, verse one, Peter says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, and then he continues on with his letter. Notice the growth of the apostle Peter here. We understand that Peter is one that uh, God had to teach him some hard lessons along the way. God had to uh, give him some specialized instruction uh, because if there was ever a hard-headed disciple out of the 12, uh, Peter would have fit that bill. Amen. Peter, he says in 1 Peter chapter number 1, first letter he writes, he calls himself Peter, which is the name that he was given of the Lord, Peter. And then he says that he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he's writing to these individuals that he is writing to as Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. But when you go to 2 Peter chapter number 1, Peter says that he is Simon Peter. For the, in, my, in my opinion, for Peter to go from Peter to Simon Peter, there has been some humbling that has take pl taken place in the life of the Apostle Peter. He is reminding these individuals that he is writing to not only of who he is now, but he is humbly reminded of who he has been. You see, that, that name Simon attaches him to everything he has done prior to full devotion to Christ. Here, he says that he is Simon Peter, and he doesn't just mention that he's an apostle. But before an apostle, he says, a servant. And obviously, between the writing of 1 Peter and 2 Peter, God has done some things in Peter's life that have reminded him of the importance of being a servant above being anything else. It was very common in Bible days as we study the Bible, and Paul had to do it numerous times in his writings. It was very common for the writers of, of Scripture who were apostles to, to use that title for God's purposes. But the Apostle Peter, or excuse me, the Apostle Paul would even remind people that he wrote to, now I'm not going to remind you that I am an apostle. 
In other words, being an apostle, everyone in the churches had to listen to them. Every, even the pastors of the churches were uh, subservient uh, to the office of the apostle in the early church days. An apostle could come into your church and tell even the pastors how they needed to lead the church because they were an apostle. That was their uh, job in the days of the early church and giving the church the foundation that it needed. Here, they, we find them mentioning that, and it does give a stamp of authority to what they're about to write. But Peter here is reminded that even though he does have that authority, with great authority comes great responsibility to serve. You see, as you climb the ladder of success, if you will, in your life with God, and as you grow in grace and knowledge, it ought not to lift you up. It ought to bring you down. Jesus said that the greatest of us shall be a servant. Peter here says that there's been some things that God has done in his heart and mind and has reminded him that he is to be a servant above being an apostle. The apostle Jude, or excuse me, Jude in his writing says that he is a servant of God. Amen. And we understand that all of these Bible writers that we're looking at, it is interesting that they mention Jude 1 verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. It is so interesting to see how Jude called what Jude calls himself when he says, I'm the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, considering that James and Jude both were biologically the brothers of the Lord Jesus. If you look at Jude verse 1, he's talking about his brother, Jesus Christ, but he said, I'm his servant. And I'm James' brother. I don't know what kind of I don't know what kind of cloud it would have given Jude with his audience to say that he's the brother of James, but obviously that meant something to the people that he was writing to enough for him to mention it. But being but even more than being the brother of James, if being the brother of James meant anything with the audience, wouldn't you think being the brother of the Lord Jesus would have uh, would have done even greater things uh, in their heart to think about the one writing to me that uh, grew up with the Lord? But Jude doesn't say that. Instead of claiming his physical lineage with Christ through, uh, through uh, Mary, he says that I'm his servant. He said, I don't even care for you to understand about my relationship to the Lord except for this, that I'm his servant. You see... The Bible goes on to say about so many people who were servants of, 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 of God. Timothy in Philippians 1.1 is called a servant of God. It is Paul and Timotheus, the servants of God. Uh, Paul says this about Timothy in Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 19. The Bible says, this is Paul writing to, uh, writing to uh, those in Philippi about Timothy. He said, but I trust in the Lord Jesus 
to send Timotheus unto you that I may that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, uh, not the things which are of Jesus Christ. But notice this now. He says, uh, Paul says of Timothy, but ye know, ye Philippians know the proof of him that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Timothy by Paul is said to be a servant of God and here in this passage Paul gives us some characteristics of Timothy that made him a servant of God. Notice what he says. Paul said verse 20, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Do you know what a true servant of Christ is? Notice he didn't just say one that will care for you or care for your state, care for your condition and the condition of your church. He didn't just say one that will care, one that will do the work, one that will do the acts of service, one that will, uh, that will do the ministry of care that is necessary. There are all kinds of people in the world today that serve but without a servant's heart. They do the job. But we can't necessarily, God, we may look at them and say, man, what a servant, because we see what they do. But you see, we have a God that sees the heart, and he sees not just what is done, but he sees why it is being done in the heart of that person. And only God knows whether we're truly a servant or not. Paul here says that it is natural for him to care for you. If you're going to be a servant of God, if you're going to be someone with a servant's heart, it's only going to be when serving God and serving people and serving God's people especially becomes natural to you. It's not a drudgery for you to serve the Lord. It's not, a nat it's not a drudgery for you to teach your Sunday school class. It's not a drudgery for you to preach the gospel. It's not a drudgery for you to give a devotion uh, at, at, the, at the ladies' meeting or at the men's uh, breakfast. It's not, it's not a drudgery for you uh, to help uh, clean. It's not a drudgery for you to help take care of some babies in the nursery. It's not a drudgery for you to do whatever it is. It's natural. Whatever I can get in on, let me get in on. It comes naturally. He says, who will naturally care for your state. He says this in verse 21. Here's a sign that you can know whether someone's a servant or not. Here's what a servant is not. Someone that seeks their own. He says, for all seek their own. Every single one of us is going to seek things that is advantageous to us. Paul said, that he'll naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. For you to be a servant of God, you're not going to be seeking the things in life that are just going to be, uh, be a blessing to you and make things better for you and easier for you and more convenient and advantageous for you. You're going to seek things simply because they're the things of God. They're Jesus' things. That's Jesus' ministry. It's Jesus' work. It is something that you can do for him. A servant of God is someone who naturally cares. It is someone that is willing to be self-sacrificing to do what God would have for them. He says in verse 22 that those things prove to the Philippians that Timothy was a servant. And he served with Paul in the gospel. Do you know what another characteristic is? And, and I believe we can see this clearly here in this verse. Another characteristic of a servant of God is someone that's willing to serve with others.
Not only someone that's willing to serve with others, but someone that is willing to uh, serve with God-given authority. Paul said, he served with me. He served with me. In other words, Paul said, God gave me this ministry, and, I, and he served alongside of me, and it was natural, and he wasn't self-serving, and he wasn't trying to climb to the next ladder, but he was serving with me because this was God's business, and it's what God had opened up the door for him to do. I wouldn't give you a dime for a young preacher that goes to a ministry just simply as a stepping stone to something bigger. I did not go to my nursing home ministry just simply <coughs> so it would give me uh, some uh, give me some pointers, give me some uh, some clout with pastors, give me whatever, so that then I could get a ministry of my own. And I did not take Grace Baptist Church in Brunswick, Maryland as their pastor to get here. And I did not come here to Beacon Baptist Church in Lexington so that it would take me somewhere bigger with a bigger congregation and a bigger salary and all those different things that come. And you'd be surprised how many do that. There is a reason why the average tenure for a pastor in America is at best three years. The reason for that is, is because usually in that amount of time, if somebody does something that even seems remotely good in a small work, then there'll be a bigger work that calls them. And sometimes God does do that. I do believe that God honors servants. If you're faithful in small things, God will let you be faithful over larger things. But friend, that's not always the case. You'll not convince me that God's doing that with everybody that leaves a smaller work and goes to something bigger just because it opens up. I think sometimes when God places a man somewhere, God intends for them to stick it out through the good and the bad and see what you can build. I've learned being the pastor here. I've been here going on six years in February, and I've learned there's just some things that we're getting to do now that I would have dreamed then, but there's some things you can do until you've been somewhere a while. If you try to do it, it won't be successful. If you try to do it, it'll tear the church to pieces. I'm, learn I'm learning now that there are some things you've just got to be patient in ministry. And a lot of times young preachers don't know how it is to be patient. I've learned by watching others in ministry, there's some, there's some times where it takes seven, ten plus years to really begin to build something great for the Lord. So God here is reminding us that Serving God is not a stepping stone to something bigger, but to get in on what God is doing and to be willing to serve, even if it means serving with someone else and serving under somebody's, somebody else. The ministry is a joy to serve, even if you have to serve. God's place for you is to serve underneath somebody else's ministry. I think the reason why God allowed me to pastor at the age of 23 was the reason was because I was content staying under Joey Wampler's ministry for the rest of my life. And I, I'll be honest, I was content with that. I would have been satisfied with that. But in my heart, I knew God was calling me away from that and into another realm of ministry. And I think until, I, I believe with all of my heart that if I never got there, God wouldn't have moved me out so young. But I had to be content with what was somebody else's and serve in a ministry that belonged to somebody else before God would give me one of my own. Paul here is giving us an example of the apostle, or excuse me, of Brother Timothy, uh, that, uh, that what, of what a servant is. Amen. 
real quickly. Let me be done with a couple more Bible examples and we'll be done. Go with me to Acts chapter number 13. You may ask the question, well, if God wants me to serve, who does God want me to serve? When does God want me to serve? How does God want me to serve? Look at Acts chapter 13. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible that is found in the book of Acts as part of a sermon preached by the Apostle Paul. Paul in this sermon gives the example of David and David serving the Lord. Acts chapter 13, look at verse 36. The Bible says this about David. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. And then the point of the example, verse 37, he was speaking about the resurrection of Christ, but he, speaking about Jesus, whom God raised again, saw no corruption. Here, as Paul is giving an example about how uh, the book of Psalms said that the, that the Lord would, would die and be placed in a grave, but yet not see corruption. His body would not corrupt. As giving an example of that, he gives the example of David who died and he saw corruption in the flesh, but Jesus did not. But on the way to talking about David's death... Here's the way that the Apostle Paul in his sermon described, the, the, described David's life. He said, after he had served his generation by the will of God. You say, preacher, if I'm going to serve the Lord, when do I need to serve the Lord? You need to serve the Lord now in your generation. You say, preacher, who am I to serve? You are to serve your generation. Amen. You are to serve in this life, in this day that God has given you and how am I going to serve by the will of God you serve your generation in your generation and you serve it by the will of God and you keep on serving by the will of God until God lets you fall on sleep which is a Bible way to a believer of saying that they died the sting of death has been removed and for the child of God death is described as sleep. The Bible said that he fell on sleep and was laid onto his fathers. He was buried with his ancestors because he died. But before he died, what did he spend his life doing? He spent his life serving. Who did he serve? He served his generation. When did he serve? In the days of his generation. How did he serve? He served by the will of God. It would do us well this morning to find out what the will of God is for our life and what God's will of service is and what God place of service is and to get busy serving the Lord in your generation. Can I say this this morning? If you say, preacher, where am I to serve? First thing you're to do is you're to serve the Lord in your home. Amen. If you're not serving the Lord in your home, it doesn't matter how much you serve the Lord on the outside. If you don't take your family with you to heaven, then you are, you are a failure of epic proportions. One of the saddest things about the ministry of Billy Sunday is it was said that Billy Sunday spent his whole life winning other people's children to God and lost his own. I've told you before in preaching that 
that as much as I love serving God and pastoring this church, that I'd be the greatest failure as a pastor if I saw your baby saved by the grace of God and mine died and went to hell. Serve God in your home, but serve God in your church. That's what God has for you. If this is your church, if this is your place, then you say, where do I need to serve? You start at home, and you start right there at the house of God where you worship God. Your place of that is your place of service to begin. And if you'll serve God in your home, and you'll serve God in the house of God that he's placed you in, God can use you outside of these doors as long as you make sure that it is the will of God. Amen. Serving God. We could talk about Phoebe in Romans 16.1. We could talk about Epaphras in the book of Colossians chapter 1 verse 7, chapter 4 uh, verse 12. We could talk about Moses of the Old Testament who more than any other person in the Old Testament was called the servant of the Lord. It became an official title of Moses throughout the New Testament that he was the servant of the Lord. I'm telling you this morning, I want to be a servant of God, don't you? I want to serve God in my generation. I want to be willing to serve God right. I want to be willing to serve God with other people. I want to be, I want to be submissive. I want to have a, an attitude of submission and to be willing to come under. The, the word servant means to come under the authority of another. I want to be willing to do that with my God. Amen. I want to serve the Lord. I want you to be a servant of God. Like all of these biblical examples, if they can do it, they were made out of the same flesh we were. If they can do it, we can too. Amen. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.